Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. And sometimes the amount of stories that make their way to us means that we simply can't cover everything that comes our way. But from time to time, a story just stays with me, and I feel compelled to share it with you and give you my thoughts. And now, one more thing. As you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And if you didn't know and you've missed out on all the PSAs we've been airing and, you know, you live a busy life and this information hasn't made its way to you. Indeed, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we have been doing our best to highlight um, some of the initiatives and, and indeed some of the areas for improvement with respect to mental health awareness. Well, one such area that has been highlighted across several headlines in uh, recent days and weeks is um, these uh, high-profile incidents where there's a loss of life, often including a shooter. And what comes into question is their mental health. Um, some of these folks have military backgrounds and we found that there might be an intersection where mental health and military background and indeed areas of improvement um, all intersect and we can have a conversation about that. So today we've invited Jonathan Acosta from the Black Information Network to have a conversation with us about this. So welcome to the show, brother. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to talk to us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. So for um, folks that may not be familiar with you, let's give folks a little bit of background on you know, your military background and, and some of the initiatives that you've been helping support. Uh, well, I joined the Marine Corps in 2003. Uh, did a solid eight years and a half. I did one deployment with the 2nd Battalion 1st Marines out of uh, Camp Pendleton, California. And I got out... Um, uh, wow. Uh, 2012, June of 
12. Okay. Um, as a, as a sergeant of Marines. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, and, and, and let's also make sure that we touch on what you do here at the Black Information Network. I like to play the, um, behind the scenes role. So I do a lot of production to make sure um, everything sounds good, gets on the air and, um, pretty much liaison between the produ- production team and the anchors. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, uh, one of the things that we mentioned a little earlier is that you've been an advocate for therapy and for uh, mental health services for military personnel. Let's let's talk about that for a little bit. So um, I usually deal with uh, a lot of the guys that I've deployed with. Um, a lot of them have uh, PTSD. Um, and, um, you know, would think how long has it been? I think uh, we deployed in 2009. Um, and since then, like we've lost a couple of Marines to, due to suicide. Um, I know we lost a Marine like maybe a week after we had gotten back. And, um, that was a guy that I was with, um, pretty much my whole deployment. And, um, he had a baby on the way. He was about to get married and just took his life, right? So as soon as we got back. Um, so I know at points in my life, I wanted, I had suicidal thoughts. Um, so, uh, luckily I had friends who weren't military, like they kind of caught what I was doing, which was pretty much one of the, um, scientists like giving things away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that was like probably like the first talks that I've had with someone. Um, and then I pretty much like looked at the Marines who gotten out over throughout the years. Um, I, I keep a contact with a lot of the guys, um, to this day. And make sure everybody's doing it right and try to um, help them navigate through the VA system. Sure. Definitely want to talk about that. Um, but before we get ahead of ourselves, I kind of want to go back if it's OK. And and forgive me if if it, it feels a bit too personal. Um, but for those of us who might not be familiar. Let me paint a picture for you. So a person like me, we look at the armed services and we see the movies and we see the commercials on TV and we see indeed the response from the public. And what you get is, you know, I, I would imagine sort of a one-sided view of the military, but it's all, it all seems to be very positive. Um, you're the heroes, you, you mean something, you matter, you're serving your country, you, you have a noble profession, um, your life counts for something good. And, you know, to hear you say that, you know, you've had a bout with um, suicidal thoughts, um, it, it, there, there's a connection that I might, uh, that, that might be difficult for people to, to make, how you could go from, you know, the version of reality where you're a hero to a version of reality where you're having those types of troubles. So, so what is it that is, what, what is the connective tissue between those two seemingly extremes? I believe purpose. Um, when you're in the military, you have a purpose. You, you have a job. You have, um, you have a task at hand. You have a mission. So when people separate from the military, they don't have that mission anymore. They don't have necessarily a purpose, if you will. Um, you know, from, for most service members, um, this is probably like the most important thing that they've probably done all their lives. Mm. And 
And you got to think too, like most of military service members come in like as teenagers between 17 and 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, so this is like the biggest thing that they've ever done thus far. And this would probably be like the highlight of their life, like the best time of their life, whether they've seen combat or not. Uh, the com- uh, camaraderie that we have is kind of like, like a, like a frat. Um, if you will, you know, it's, it's, it's a brotherhood. It's a, a sister. It's a, it's a, it's a family. Regardless of what service you're in, um, those are, that's like those are pretty much the only people that could kind of relate to your story. Um, so it's I feel that it's a sense of purpose um, that's lacking. And as much as everyone talks about getting out because they hate the military, and like as soon as they get out, that's all they talk about. Man, like back when I was a, a marine or back when I was a soldier or whatever, like that's all they talk about because it's embedded into you again, like you, you're joined at a young age. So there's a transformation there from a child to, to an adult in, in a matter of three months, you, you take, you got more responsibilities than an average college student as far as being a leader. So as far as a Marine, the Marine Corps, from the lowest ranking individual from a private, he is trained to be a leader. And they do that because in instances where the the commanding officer may die in combat and the staff NCO may the platoon sergeant may die in combat and so on and so forth, and you might be the last person in charge. So you're taught to have that kind of purpose to take charge and and see things through. So I believe when people do make that separation from military to civilian life, it's still a um it's hard to um transition. Yeah, make that adjustment. Yeah. You know, one of the things that one of the things that um is interesting too, you say that because in a lot of the recent events that we've seen, um where there was a person who had a military background um causing harm to a community Mm -hmm. or to a group of people, their story didn't necessarily include active combat, at least not in the stories that I read. And so I, it was it was hard for me to make the connection because I think we hear the stories very often of people that have seen combat and they come back and then they have visions and then they have trouble on Fourth of July and, you know, things like this where certain noises or flashes of light or things like that can trigger, um, can trigger them and cause reactions that they didn't expect and that the people around them certainly didn't expect. Um, but I think to hear you suggest, you know, going from having a purpose and having a mission to transitioning to a civilian life where you have to kind of establish that, and that might perhaps be a little bit more challenging uh, for some folks. Um, I think that's something that uh, is is certainly meaningful and, and helpful in, in terms of framing what it is that we might be up against, at least with respect to some of these um High profile incidents we've been covering here on the BIN. Right. Um, well, I know, for me, I know, for, what, for instance, my cousin who he was an airman, um, he was supposed to deploy in the Gulf War. Yeah. He, he didn't end up going. Somebody else took his place and that person ended up dying in Gulf War. So that, even though my cousin has never deployed, um, that messes with his mental mm. because in his mind, that could have been him. 
So um, there's um, things you may see that you may, may even without deployment. Like I've witnessed three suicides, um, and not in combat. Like this is here in the United States. <laughs> this is on base. So there's a lot of things that go down that may not be combat related, but you know there's a lot of stuff that obviously doesn't make uh, news when it comes to inside, you know, um, inside camps and bases and forts and things like that. So, um, there's all sorts of trauma. I mean, I mean, if you, if I'm, I could be 100, like there's drug dealers, there's gangs, there's like rape, there's all sorts of stuff within the military. Really? So yes, <laughs> there are gangs. I remember, uh, when I was in, um, uh, Al-Assad in Iraq, um, you will see like MS-13, you will see like crib bloods like on concrete everywhere. And it's like, how? <laughs> so, I mean, with all that being said, um, you could honestly like experience some kind of PTSD or something traumatic without having to um, deploy. And I mean, that's everywhere. You get into a car accident, you're going to have some kind of PTSD. Sure. Um, so, um, with as far as my cousin who never deployed, but he, he's actually has a disability of PTSD because of that. So is, it's what hits you first, I believe is like depression, um, possibly in denial. I know I was in denial for years about having PTSD. I had PTSD before I even came back from Iraq. I didn't know. We were told, um, because we get evaluated in, in country in Iraq. Um, or Afghanistan, um, you know, are you having this symptom? Are you having that symptom? We were literally told to say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. They say, hey, say no, because if you don't say no, then they're going to keep you here for X amount of months or whatever. So we all said no. So, you know, I realized that I will oversleep a lot um, or I wouldn't go to sleep till like three or four o'clock in the morning. I would miss formations after I came back from Iraq and um, just walk into work. Like nothing happened, like walked in and nobody questioned me because I was a sergeant. But at that point, like I didn't realize that I was, I had PTSD, I had insomnia, I had depression, I had all sorts of stuff. I didn't know. We're not taught these things. Uh, at least I don't know about this generation, mm-hmm. but in my generation, we weren't taught these kind of things. So um, I can't, I can't necessarily speak on why veterans do certain things um it's hard to say uh i just like you you look at a service member who has all sorts of training like we are trained to kill point blank um and in a lot of cases it's like a light switch it's just one of those things where it's just kind of like hard to turn off when something does trigger um in the Marine Corps, we have a mixed martial arts program. So uh, that's something you learn like straight from boot camp. And um, you learn how to defend yourself. And boot camp is basically defense tactics, which honestly, like a rear chokehold is one of the uh, defense tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really, kind of, for me, it's kind of hard to pinpoint like why, why didn't you let up? You you know what I'm saying? Like we're 
we know. Like, they, <laughs> we've seen it on TV, not even from military members, but like, you know, from police officers putting people in, in kill codes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you're cutting off somebody's circulation. Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's really hard to pinpoint for me. It's hard to pinpoint, like, as to why Someone things are done now. Right. So we could probably look at mental health. We could probably look at something like somebody who does, who doesn't have a purpose anymore. I mean, these people, these, they could be angry for some reason. Mm-hmm. They could be angry at the VA. They could be angry at whatever. And again, I feel like it's just very hard to turn off when you have that kind of training to turn off that part. Well, so um, let me, so let me, um, so you mentioned being angry at the VA. Um, and I know that you can't speak to the whys, but maybe, you know, you can share with our listeners your reaction. So one of the uh, stories that we covered here was the 24 year old Coast Guard veteran who was the shooter at the Northside uh, Medical Midtown in Atlanta, the hospital there on May 3rd. And the way the story came back was that he was denied some medicine or some sort of drug that he would, he went to the hospital seeking this drug. He was denied that drug and then he went back in and shot the hospital up. So I think that maybe that kind of borders on, and maybe that's not a VA hospital, I don't know, but maybe that borders on kind of the support that, that these uh, service people are wanting and, um, or rather the lack of them receiving the support. It's not just them wanting it, but the lack of them getting it. And, you know, maybe there's something else uh, to be said about, you know, that training. And, you know, when you're kind of at your wits end, there's, I don't want to be an apologist for someone who obviously has taken lives, but there there has right. to be a why and, and the prevalence of military personnel and the, 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 obviously the amount of death that we're experiencing, there's got to be something there. And so uh, I guess just just talk to us a bit about kind of your initial thoughts when you first heard about that and your initial feelings, reaction. So, I mean, I can't say and I I'm, won't put a full blame on the VBA. Um, You know, it's, it's a broken system in, in my eyes and probably – it could be due lack of uh, employment, uh, lack of people caring inside the VA. Um, um, so, and if this happened in Midtown, so I know the VA in in, in Atlanta is in Decatur. So, I mean, this could have been an outsourced clinic that um, the VA possibly gave this guy to go to. So, I mean, we don't know. I don't know what these meds were. It could have been um, antidepressants. It could, it could have been anything, but... Um, it's just, it's honestly like, it's, it's hard to like pinpoint again. Like we don't, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, be again, be unapologetic of what this man did, but um, it's, it's, it's hard to get the benefits that you deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go by a rating system. So like with, amount of disabilities that I have and I took if I told you all my percentages um it will be over 100% but how the VA calculates it 
I'm at 90. <laughs> mm. So it's, it's just one of those things. So like basically they take, um, you know, your highest disability and then for every X amount of percentage of whatever else you have, they give you like X amount of points, a point for each 10%. So, um, when you're at a hundred percent, you're pretty much taken care of. Um, you got benefit, you got medical taken care of, you have dental taken care of, pay, all sorts of stuff. Um, so when you're not a hundred percent, you don't get medical help. Now you can get insurance with the VA, but you don't get like medical help the way you were getting it back when you were in service. In the service. Um, right. So, um, for a lot of service members that I do know who are older than me, way older than me, um, they rely on the VA. They go to the VA for their medication and things like that. So um, it's just some VAs in certain cities are better than others. Um, when I was living in Atlanta, I felt um, I wasn't being taken care of in Atlanta. Um, San Diego was kind of like eh, here and there. Um, I haven't been to the VA in Florida yet. And this is where I'm living at because like just having that kind of, um, experience is like, I don't care to go. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to deal with it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get a person who's having a great day or a person who's just having, who doesn't care. So, or come off as they don't care. So it is one of those things again to where. In certain, I can't say certain areas, in some instances to where you go to the VA for help and you don't get the help that you're seeking. And I know for me, for instance, I've been to two separate counselings for PTSD. My first one was a group therapy. My second one was a solo therapy. Um, and that, that solo therapy was outsourced to a, um, to a therapist. And um, she wrote to the VA suggesting that I continue my counseling and my, it got denied. <laughs> wow. So like, this is one of those things. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. I just deal with it on my own then, you know? Sure, yeah. Uh, luckily I have family members who look out for me. Oh, uh, you know, my dad was a Marine as well. So he and I talk um, and that may not be the case for other veterans who possibly, um, alienated themselves from family members right. um, because they obviously they can't talk about what they've been through in the Marine Corps or, or in the service to family members because anybody out the service outside of service um, they don't get it they could probably empathize with you but um, or sympathize for you but they can't empathize for you or with you so there's so many things that that could that could be um um happening with an individual who go goes out and you know does does the unthinkable for somebody who was you know considered a hero at one point yeah you know um listening to you talk about that i got to imagine that if you go to a hospital you know you think of a hospital at least me you know i my father was in the Air Force, you know, but that's the closest that I have to any sort of military, anything. And my father was well beyond his military career by the time I was born. He had me later in his life. So uh, I 
super civilian with mine. And I think of the hospitals as a place where you go to get help. So I could imagine, only imagine the amount of hopelessness you're left with if you go to a hospital that's specifically for you and for your needs, where the people are there to help you and you get denied or you get shuffled around or your file gets mismanaged or people don't believe you or whatever the case is. Um, I can only imagine that that hollow feeling you must be left with at the end of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 tough. But um, another instance, um, to where like a couple of years ago, I got recently broke my leg, yeah. um, and this was like way after after the military. But um, the last unit that was in, in in Afghanistan, the last attack that happened to the thirteen on Marines. That was my old unit that I deployed with. Their sergeant major was my staff sergeant when I went to Iraq with him. So that hit me a little different. And that ended up triggering some kind of a survival remorse or survival guilt. And um, I drank. I drank a lot. I blacked out. And I broke my leg. (laughs) Mm. So, you know, again, it's like I, I would go to the VA. But then again, I don't know if I'm just going to get shuffled around or like, oh, well, you know, because a lot of a lot of military members, especially Marines, were like pretty much filling it after that. Um, and I know the VA had put out a number for us to contact, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't even bother to contact. Um, um, I want to get more of your thoughts on that uh, in just a second. But first, I want to kind of backtrack a bit because you mentioned uh being a Marine that, you know, they teach you about chokehold and obviously in, in, uh, the headlines recently, there's been this story, uh, on May 1st, uh, Daniel Penny, who's a 24 year old, uh, Marine Corps veteran from Queens, New York. He killed, uh, Jordan Neely, who's a street performer, very tiny man having a bad day and was making some threats in the subway. And, uh, Daniel Penny uh, put him in a chokehold. He's a Marine. He's a bigger guy. And of course, uh, Penny is a, um, or sorry, uh, Neely is, is a very small, frail sort of man. Uh, anyway, Penny put him in his chokehold and took his life. Um, right. So I, I, I want to get your, your kind of initial thoughts on that too. How did that one hit you when you first? encountered that story did that feel like maybe a a triggered moment in your estimation or i know it's hard to say but just kind of talk us through how stories like that hit a person it's a person that has been through that type of training it's more like a wtf moment sure like dude (laughs) you know what that does there's all sorts of tactics and maneuvers that you could have done um to restrain this individual uh we know at a degree to where if we're using a, a, a reverse chokehold to um when they're done moving then like let go. Yeah. Because they could one be unconscious, two dead, not breathing. Um which is the, the other thing is that we're also taught how to resuscitate someone in boot camp. Like we are taught medical stuff in boot camp. So um my thing is there's so many other tactics to he could have done 
to 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 not have this kind of result at the end. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. He could have taken him down, chilled him out for a bit, talked to him, yelled at like, "Yo, chill out, chill out." Again, yeah. that may not be the, that may not be the, the the solution to that either. Like, if the kid was having a bad day, mind your business. You know, it's not like he had a weapon on him. He, you know, never hurt anybody. Yeah, didn't hurt anyone. So, in my opinion, again, I wasn't there. Yeah, I don't think everything has been transcribed about actually what happened yet. Um. So, but you know, outside looking in and with the information that we have, it's just you know, it's. There's again more ways he could have handled that besides a a, a, a chokehold. Sure, more ways he could have handled that. Um, no. again, I don't know what they both were thinking. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, um, right. not not making an excuse, but you know, I don't know what triggered him. Again, but, but then again, uh, that's not an excuse, right? So, um, from what I found out, that uh, Penny was he did a lot of um water survival um training okay so that's that's as far as i've known about his uh military career sorry yeah so one thing i did want to mention was um not too long ago we had a mass shooting in brooklyn on, on a on the subway yeah so i think um that could have possibly been a worry for everyone that was on the train because of you know not too long ago a man shot up a whole train mm-hmm. in New York City. Mm-hmm. So again, there's there's a fear factor in New York. And it's crazy because I grew up in Brooklyn. And we've seen I've seen people like like nearly all the time throughout my life. You just pay them no mind. You, you know what I'm saying? You keep your distance, you mind your business, and you just go out throughout your day. And you know, and so again, I felt like that whole situation just could have been avoided. I'm out of your business. <laughs> you know, one of the things that, um, not that I have, I can offer anything substantial in terms of, uh, you know, my assessment of that particular situation. But one of the things that I know just from kind of living life is that um, you're right. You know, once you kind of shown your strength, you know, a display of strength, hey, I got you. I got you hemmed up. All right. All right. We're going to stop this. I'm going to let you go. Okay. We don't want to end up back here. All right. There you go. Something like that um, is often enough to yes. you know, change the narrative. You know, it, it, it changes right. the, the temperature. Um, and when you don't kind of allow for that, when you don't, you know, use that show of strength and, and you lean all the way into it, you end up often with results that you can't come back from. People end up with permanent injuries. People end up dead. And, you know, in this instance, uh, again, as, as I mentioned, you know, this man took his life. You know, he could be alive today getting help potentially and right. maybe ultimately find out that he needs and continue to live and grow and become an old man and he'll never have that opportunity because he was on a subway hungry and mad at the world for right. that, you know? And, um, so again, not that that's worth too much anything. Again, I, I've never walked in any of these folks shoes, but, you know, just kind of being a man 
you know, and having that testosterone <laughs> fortifying my yeah. my body and giving me that additional strength, I recognize sometimes just that display of strength in and of itself is enough to yep. exactly to to kind of set the bar. It's like this is this is the bar you're going to have to clear here. You don't want to clear that bar, and we can go back to being the way we were, and everything will be fine. So, um, you know, there's there's plenty of other stories that that we can you know, get into, but I'm, I, you know, we, we all know the stories and of course I appreciate your time. I've been kind of teasing this the whole show. I'd really like to get your thoughts on what the VA could do better um, for our servicemen and women um, where, where they're falling short and, and ways that they can improve having kind of been through that system. Uh, that's kind of hard. Um, it, honestly, for me, it, like I feel like that's that's kind of a hard thing to to even think of because, um, you know, yes, the help is there. Um, for for instance, for PTSD, right? For for mental health, the help is there. I think um, it takes more to take that first step as a as a you know as a veteran to go get the help mm. um so it's 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 just it's it's hard like again you know if 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 a counselor's if a therapist is saying hey this individual needs more counseling get them more counseling listening listening to them yeah. um yeah so i think I, I think sometimes it falls down under budgeting um, I mean, recently what we had two over 200 votes from the Republican side to cut spending on the VA. Really? And yes, um, really? it was like, I think a 218 vote, uh, to cut spending on like $31 billion, uh, cut something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. For, for, for the VA. So like, you know, they're going to like less, less employees, less programs, uh, cut payments to, to, to veterans. <laughs> So yeah, that that's what's pretty much going on right there. So I mean, again, it could be just one of those things. Maybe they're looking at it at a side where it's like, you know, well, the veterans are not getting that kind of help from from the VA. So if we I, again, I don't know, I don't know what their agenda is besides you know trying to um trying to stop from going over to the the budget that's popping up in June first. Okay. Um. But yeah, I think like in April, sometime in April, like they have voted to uh, cut spending on um, on the VA. Sure. Um, so I mean, again, it's just it's 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 hard to find people who care. Um, I think more peer to peer um, therapy would probably work. Um, sometimes counseling, like group counseling. For when I took group counseling, I thought of it as a joke, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I sat there more um, listening to everyone else's stories. But um, with the, I think, okay. So I think it would have been helpful to have the, uh, the, the group therapy with maybe one or two or maybe your spouse there as well. If you have a spouse or somebody in your family doing this group counseling with you, because I feel it's super helpful. It would have been super helpful if my significant other was there with me so she could learn my symptoms 
um, know why I'm the way I am, know why I maybe, um, you know, come off as standoffish or like have no emotion, um, or why I sleep all day. If I sleep all day, why am I tired? Like, you know, it would have been helpful for family members to go along with these classes as well. I think that would be a bigger help because now family members are involved. Um, and for, for most cases, um, not all of them, but, um, you know, service members who are married and stay married, um, you know, these wives have to put up <laughs> with it too. Yeah. And they may not, they may not know what to do with, um, someone who's struggling with PTSD. And I've noticed that, um, there's a, a high divorce rate when it comes to, to, uh, service members because, you know, they get married young, gets deployed, comes back. He's definitely not the Different same person. person. Yeah. So I feel they should probably implement that with uh, the PTSD counseling, um, for significant others or a family member close next to kin to, to join these, uh, counseling, um, sessions. Now I know that the VA offers a uh, uh I forgot what it's called, but it's it's basically like a um a counseling for husband and wife. And they have like they go to a retreat and they do things and they rekindle the fire, right? Yeah. But I think it will be a lot more effective if this significant other next to can or whatever knows your symptoms, knows exactly what you're going through, and that way that service member would have someone to talk to who understands what, cause you know, you guys are going through it together. You're healing together. I think that would be a huge uh, impact on the veteran community to be honest. Now, um, you know, I kind of was picking up what you're putting down as far as the uh, VA being a bit of a mess and tough to clean up, but maybe there's something we can do. Obviously, there's spouses and, and next of kin, that sort of thing. But people like me, people who are not directly connected, my father has passed. So folks who are not directly connected with um, military personnel in any meaningful way, maybe there's something that we can do as individuals to support our service members better, um, ways that we can show up or you know, you would know better than I, I would. So before we let you go, any thoughts on how we, the, the civilians can better support our military members? Uh, I think, um, for instance, uh, Memorial Day is coming up. So, uh, uh, and it's often mistaken as Veterans Day. Um, so it's, it's for, Majority of us, and I say majority because I, I hear from other service members, is like, "Oh, thank you for your service on Happy Memorial Day." It's like it's not yes. happy. It's for the people who have passed. <laughs> it's not happy. Yeah, <laughs> we're not happy about this. Um, so just little things like that. I mean, um, I've, I would say, live your lives. It's what we fought for. We fought for the freedoms that we have, whether you know we disagree or agree. Live your life. You know, if you want to, if you want to take a knee like Colin, take the knee, take the knee. You, I fought for that right for you to have your, you know, what you're standing up for. Take the knee, take it. 
You know, if you want to be angry about it, be angry about it, you know, but live your lives. Like just practice the freedoms that we gave you re, um, responsibly, <laughs> responsibly, you, you know, um, can't say that we gave you, but fought for you um, responsibly. And I think that's probably like the biggest thank you is, um, you know, us being a nation again, one as one instead of a divided nation. Well, wise words indeed. And I don't think that's beyond our realm of possibilities. So, um, uh, quite profound words to leave. We just got to work together. We just got to work together. And I like that, you know, uh, how I always told my Marines, um, when they get discouraged while they're in the Marine Corps, why did you join? Why did you join? So, in, in, in a bigger, you know, scope of things is why? Are, why should we consider ourselves to be the best nation? What makes us so great? Can we work together? Can we come to a compromise of things and where it's not affecting one side or the other? You know, enough with the hate. We're tired of the hate. Tired. I heard that. Well, listen, before we let you go, um, you want to drop any any sort of social media, any any website, anything like that for po- folks to keep up with nah, you and follow, follow your story? <laughs> don't follow me. <laughs> don't follow you? <laughs> I, I don't post much anyways. I just, you know, I keep my head down. I, 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 I work in, again, the, behind the scenes of BIN, and I, that's my mission right now, that's to making right. sure that our stories are getting out, getting on air. That's my mission right now. Well, then, then we can find out more at binnews.com then so we, right. we, we'll, we'll all look forward to uh to enjoying your work moving into the future so once again i want to thank you for your time and of course your insight into this um very meaningful conversation i know i've learned something and hopefully we've all learned something so once again ladies and gentlemen jonathan acosta this has been a production of the black information network Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.